to another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by Amazon Web Services. Ethan Greenberg, Eric Allen here in the BetMGM studio. Bart Scott joining us later in the show for our Victorinox Swiss Army player of the game segment EA. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours. I can't believe it's Thanksgiving already. As we sit here in the BetMGM studio, it feels like yesterday we kicked this thing off, but the Jets are already 10 games into their season before you know it we're gonna look up and it's gonna be christmas oh that it's we're in like that milky way stretch i call it the milky way stretch i don't know why i just kind of came up with that but before you know it like you said it's thanksgiving then it's christmas it's really a month but it feels like a week and a half and a couple things about thanksgiving ea and i both agree that turkey is an overrated bird it's not great and thanksgiving is going to look very different for i would say everybody in 2020 and, you know, I'm curious as a Jets employee, of course, EA, you've obviously worked on Thanksgiving before. So, like, what's that like? It's good if you win. I mean, uh, we, <laughs> we were just talking about this before we uh, started the podcast is that I guess I've worked three times on Thanksgiving as far as games are concerned. The Jets uh, won in two in those games. They did beat. The Cincinnati Bengals back in 2010, 26-10. That's the game you called the Brad Smith game. The Brad Smith game, yeah. That's the last time the Jets made the playoffs, 2010. So a lot of Jets fans right now aren't feeling really thankful about their football team as the green and white 0-10 for the only time in franchise history. Still searching for that elusive first victory. But as far as the week is concerned from an employee perspective, it's awesome because you get that extended weekend after you finish your game day duties, you do a pregame show, a postgame show, you take care of what's remaining on Friday, and then you're able to relax the weekend. I've always argued that the Cowboys and the Lions, who traditionally play at home on Thanksgiving, have a huge advantage because they get that mini buy, and then they have a home game, and that opposing team is always coming to their place. The Jets did play the Cowboys in 07. That game was not close. <laughs> okay. You know, I, I feel like the Lions are, at least in my lifetime, have always been the 1 o'clock game. Yep. And right. I feel like that is the sweet spot because you get you get to work, you get over with, and then you can still have a Thanksgiving dinner on Thanksgiving if you so choose. Whereas if you're the 425 game, you're probably having a late Thanksgiving or Thanksgiving the following day. I never could get into the early game, you know, where people will sit in front of the TV. I'm not a great sitter. I love watching football, but I got to take care of business, meaning maybe <laughs> work out, uh, go out with the dogs or something like that because I can't just sit seven, eight, 10, 12 hours in front of the TV and starting off with the yeah. Lions. The Cowboys over the years, last 20 years or so, they've been the team that's been uh, in it, in contention. They're not in the playoffs every year, but uh, it, it seemed like that was a marquee matchup for a while. But the NFL went to the expansion on Thanksgiving where now they right. have three games. So – they're hoping this week that the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are undefeated, will get that game off against the Baltimore Ravens. A team is going to be desperate right now. It's six and four, but I always uh, that was big when they added that third game. But uh, I do think uh, it's cool to be part of that from a National Football League perspective. Is that hey, you 
are you know that everybody in the nation is huddling around the right. TV, everybody's together and, and participating in the holiday by not only eating but also watching some ball. Do you like the last question we'll do on this Thanksgiving bit? Do you like the Cowboys old? Helmets that they wear, the old uniforms that they wear on Thanksgiving? I, I do like the Cowboys' uniforms overall. So when they bring those out, I'm okay with them. I, I think the Cowboys just have a traditional classic look, and it's one of the better uniforms in the league. Yeah, I, I agree with what you said. So now let's talk about <laughs> Jets football. The Jets do not play on Thanksgiving, of course. They host the Miami Dolphins Sunday, Week 12, coming off of – for the Dolphins, their first loss in a lot of games, like five games in a row, they fell to the Denver Broncos in Denver, and the Jets played on the West Coast for the first of three cross-country games. Now they're back at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, and I think that Jets fans are getting excited because you start to see what this offense could have looked like. I know that's probably the wrong way to think about it, but when you think of the production of Rashad Perriman and Denzel Mims in particular, and of course just having a healthy receiving core, I mean, you start to see this offense turn a page the past two games they've been on the field. Well, they're scoring points. They've been in ball games the last two outings. You know, the Patriots, they're not the Patriots team that we've come to expect over the last two decades. They're four and six at this point, and you'd have to say it would really take something that somewhat improbable for them to make the playoffs like some kind of crazy run because you're looking at the AFC there might be a team out there who wins 10 games this year does not get into the playoffs that's how deep it looks and then the Chargers while they do have a very talented young quarterback in Justin Herbert who had his way with the Jets secondary in that first half that is a team that has struggled throughout the season so one possession losses to both of those squads, you're stepping up in caliber this week against the Dolphins. I don't know if a lot of people consider Miami ahead of schedule, but you have to give Brian Flores a lot of credit for what they've done there. Remember, last was it October, the Jets went down to South Florida, and both of those teams were zero. Well, the Jets had one win. The Dolphins were 0-7. Right. The Dolphins won that game, and ever since then, I think they've turned the corner and made a lot of offseason additions. Um, you're seeing a defense that gets after people, very deep at cornerback position. They're working in a rookie quarterback right now, experiencing those ups and downs. But, um, yeah, you're right about the Jets, playing a better brand of football. There's no doubt about that. Defensively, they're stopping the run. You just got to get better against the pass. And then offensively, you're seeing signs of life in the passing game. And that has definitely been encouraging. Denzel Mims, career high, 71 yards receiving. Perryman now, three touchdowns over the course of the last two games. I like what I saw out of Chris Herndon. I know he just made two catches, but both those catches were very impressive. Yeah, I'm, I think Chris Herndon, I tried to – Honestly, I tried to bait him into and one of my post game interviews with him, or the only one, should I say, what I said, you know, it's just kind of like a weight off your shoulder now that you've gotten your first touchdown of the season after training camp. Everyone was expecting Chris Hernan to be like the 2018 form of Chris Hernan, where he showed a lot of promise as a fourth round rookie out of Miami, and he hasn't been targeted a lot in the passing game. And Dow Loggins, the team's offensive coordinator, last week said 
that Chris Herndon's been primarily pass protecting because he's really good at it. Not a lot of tight ends can do what Chris Herndon can do in that aspect of the game. And so, so to see him finally take a couple steps forward in the passing game, I think Jets fans got excited. I know certainly for me, I felt happy for Chris Herndon. And using these two games as a launching pad for the rest of the season, I think really the first thought that comes to fans' minds is, well, what's Sam Darnold going to look like fully healthy with Perriman, Crowder, Mims, Hernan all in the lineup because Darnold has yet to play with those three starting receivers all on the field together. Well, that's that's, that's the critical question. That's a $64 million question for <laughs> the New York Jets is that when will Darnold get back on the field? I know he wants to return. The Jets want him back under center. You want to evaluate this young player with a full complement of skill position players around him, but you can't force him back in the lineup and the Jets are taking the prudent approach here with Darnold. It's early this week. We're taping on Monday. We'll have to see what transpires throughout the course of this week. Joe Flacco started against the Dolphins earlier this season and Miami won that game 24 to nothing. It was a shutout, but we're talking about a different looking offense. No matter who plays quarterback, the Jets are going to have opportunities to make plays because much like the Patriots, even though the Dolphins definitely have more talent at the cornerback position, especially considering once Stephon Gilmore's out, no, no shade towards New England. I'm right. just saying when you got Byron Jones, Xavier Howard going, Howard now six interceptions, those guys are going to play man coverage, and they're going, to, they're going to blitz the quarterback. So the Jets have to make plays down the field, and you would anticipate they do have the ability to do that. They will be better equipped to do that than they were in the team's first meeting. It's going to be a great challenge, though. I definitely agree, and I think that maybe, to your point, if Byron Jones and Xavier Howard on the outside, maybe this is a Jamison Crowder-Chris Herndon game in terms of at least opportunities because if they can work the middle of the field, maybe that'll open up things more so for Perriman and Mims. Byron Jones and Xavier Howard are two great players, and this, I kind of wanted to go a little more broad here in terms of the way the NFL is shaping up right now. First of all, very weird Sunday, very weird Sunday in terms of who won, who lost. And now when you look at the standings in both divisions, you look at who's in and who's out. If the playoffs were today or tomorrow, mm -hmm. the Baltimore Ravens would not be in the playoffs at 6-4. and four. The Miami Dolphins would not be in the playoffs at 6-4. and four. Then you head to the NFC, Chicago's the first team out at 5-5, five and five, but both divisions are going to come down to the wire. A lot of parity in the National Football League. You know, we were watching the early games yesterday, and it, it seems like every week we're looking at more and more games and saying they're toss-ups. But you mentioned Miami. They just had a five-game win streak. They lose a game, and now all of a sudden they're out of playoff positioning through 10 games. Uh, you got the Cleveland Browns right now who quietly are 7-3. and three. It feels like half the teams in the AFC are 7-3 and three right now. Um, you know, it, it I think the Bills took a step forward in the AFC East by not playing because everybody else lost, right? The Patriots lost. The Dolphins had their win streak halted, and the Bills have already beaten the Miami Dolphins, and they host them, I think, in the uh, the last game of the season. So you would have to say Buffalo definitely has the advantage moving forward inside the division. Pittsburgh's still undefeated, which is crazy. They're a very good team. 
Um, I didn't anticipate they're going to be sitting here after 10 games being undefeated. You mentioned Baltimore. Lamar Jackson was the MVP of the National Football League last mm-hmm. year, and now they're 6-4. and four. Tennessee and Indianapolis, that's an interesting race in the AFC South. Both those teams are 7-3. and three. They're facing each other this weekend. Yeah, I'm excited for that game. AFC West, loaded, because Kansas City, yes, just one win. Patrick Mahomes is magic against the Raiders. You mean one loss? Yeah. Well, you I say you one, said one win. Oh, well. One win, one glorious win over the Raiders, I guess. Listen, (laughs) Patrick Mahomes was his magic, so they just had the one loss. The Raiders look good, and they're 6-4. and They want to get in a playoff picture. That's a team that went toe-to-toe with the Chiefs here a couple of times this season. I say low to the AFC West because Herbert and the Chargers had that explosive offense, and I know they're not in a playoff positioning, but that's a team you got to watch for in future years. And Denver's tough. They just beat Miami, so – a lot of parity in the league, but uh, in the AFC, I think you, you got to look at Kansas City and then go to Pittsburgh, and then everyone else is kind of in a group after that. Okay, so before we hear from Bart Scott, as we, I don't want to project what's going to happen here over the course of the next seven weeks in terms of the NFL. I mean, you laid out all the different divisions and the tight races there, but is there a race in particular that intrigues you? And I'm going to say excluding the NFC West, which has the Seahawks, the Rams. <laughs> oh, and the you had Cardinals. to go there, huh? Yeah, I did because I feel like I feel like a lot of people have given proper credit to that division because that's such a tight race, and we saw that great game between the Seahawks and the Cardinals not once but twice. Well, who's going to win the NFC East? I'll ask you that. Well, I did say I didn't want to project anything. I mean, right now as it stands, uh, what? Well, okay, I'm not going to. Uh, what do you make of the NFC East right now? I think it's very interesting. I mean, I think I think the division is theirs, theirs meaning all four of them, really three of them. I really think it's going to be the Dallas Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, and the New York Giants. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's going to come down to those three teams. Okay. Not the Washington football team, no, no disrespect to them, but I feel like if Andy Dalton can turn things around for that offense, which you kind of saw against the Vikings, if they can sustain that, I figured that they'll squeak out enough wins, especially in their own division, to clinch a playoff berth. How many wins? That's a great question. I'm going no more than six. Really? I'm going... So somebody's going to host a playoff game in the NFC that finishes with six wins this year. Do you think that's crazy? No, I don't think it's crazy. Well, weren't the Seahawks... Seven and, Seven nine and nine when they hosted the Saints. Yeah, the Marshawn Lynch. Yeah, the Beast Mode game. Yeah. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me if it was if if the Cowboys hosted a team. I, I think the AFC seems a little bit more. I don't want to say easy to predict, but it, it seems like, uh, like I said, I think the Bills are going to win the AFC East. I think Pittsburgh's going to take care of the the North. Mm-hmm. I, I think that. Indianapolis and Tennessee is something that's caught my eye. Kansas City's going to win uh, the West, uh, you know, and then it's like, how is the wild card shake out? But as far as divisional races, well, I it, guess you could say wild card race. Yeah, you could, instead what of it, saying division, you could just you could just pick a couple teams that you're looking at in terms of the wild card. Well, I look at Indianapolis and Tennessee. And Indianapolis went to uh, Nashville a couple weeks ago and won an impressive game on Thursday Night Football. What's going to happen in the return matchup? But Who's going to make the playoffs from this bunch? Miami, the Raiders, Baltimore, the Browns. 
and the Browns. Yeah. Who, who you got in the playoffs out of that bunch? That I don't I don't know. I mean, I think it's very I don't know the team's schedules, which I think has a big part to do with this, okay. but I'm very interested. I think I think the one thing that Tennessee has over a lot of these teams is just their brand of football travels well, first of all. And second of all, they, they made to the championship game last year, so they know what it takes to get there. And I thought that was a very convincing win, a very important win over the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. And side note, I love A.J. Brown. I, I, love, I love the physicality he plays with. Well, speaking of physicality, how about Derrick Henry? Yeah, he, I mean, you can't say enough about about Derrick Henry. He's, they, he's an animal. That whole team is just physical. Their DNA is that of their head coach, Mike Rabel. Uh, so, you know, they play a brand of football. They're going to be at it in a phone booth for 60 minutes, and they bring it. You know, you got to respect that. With that being said, we think about the Colts all the time. This is like the soft team that's going to spread you out. They're going to play fast <laughs> and all this other stuff. No, this is a team that gets after you. Who plays a physical brand of football, and that was an impressive comeback win over yes. the Packers, and that came on the heels of beating Tennessee a couple weeks ago. So now, what is going to happen? Because Indianapolis can really take that division and put a stranglehold around it if they win this return matchup. Very much so, and I think if Jonathan Taylor starts to use his performance against the Packers in terms of the way he ran the football and can kind of turn that rookie wall and kind of like barrel through it. And he's, you know, he's a big dude with four, three speed, four, four speed. That's going to be an interesting team down the road. So what I'll tell you right now, though, uh, Patrick Mahomes, league MVP. I would have said a few weeks ago, Russell Wilson, but I think it'd be hard to choose anybody other than Mahomes. He's been just outstanding. That team is the defending champions. Uh, Pittsburgh is going to be right there in the mix, but if you were going to ask me Super Bowl pick right now, you'd have to go. I go Kansas City and a slight lean to New Orleans, but what? Seattle's gaining. Oh, so you think that it's between those two teams in the NFC? Oh no, I just think those would be my two favorites in the Okay, I like that. I like that. Are you looking at me like I have to pick yep. mine? Yes. I definitely think Kansas City. Yep. Uh, I think that. I think for me they're. They're going to represent the AFC. In terms of the NFC, I tend to I tend to agree with you. I think because here's the thing uh, about the Saints: they're playing as well defensively as probably anybody in the league right now over the last few weeks. For sure, and they did the same thing last season yes. when Teddy Bridgewater came in for Drew Brees. But it just feels like in the past couple of years, something just doesn't click. In the playoffs. In the playoffs for the Saints. And if they can clear that hurdle, you know, maybe Michael Thomas starts burning up like he did last year, then I think that's going to be a legitimate case. But So there's only, remember, first round of the playoffs, only one team gets a bye this year. That's the number one seed. So that right. you got to put more emphasis on being that one seed. And if Pittsburgh keeps on winning, no matter how good Kansas City is or Mahomes – they're not going to be the one seed. <laughs> you know what I wonder? I don't. I think if if the playoffs were tomorrow, would this be the first time that Tom Brady entered the playoffs as a wild card team? It'd have to be right, because they missed the playoffs in 08. 08. He was out. Yeah. And then before that, it was he just wasn't the quarterback of the team, right? Yeah, well, they won the division seventeen in the last nineteen years. No, two thousand two Jets. 
But the Patri- did the Patriots make the playoffs that year? They didn't make the playoffs. So then this would have been. The Jets the- won the division in 2002. But, and then the Patriots didn't make it as a wild card team. They did not make it as a wild so card th- team. So this would, in turn, that be was- the first time that Tom Brady would enter the playoffs as a wild card team. And it would have to go through not his home stadium. That's right. I was just getting caught up with my memories, Herm Edwards. You play to win the game. The Jets started two <laughs> and five that year. And they went out to San Diego and the Superchargers quarterback by Drew Brees. Wow, look at that. That's where the start that's where the turnaround started. Oh, but that's how we come full circle here on the official Jets podcast powered by AWS. Now let's hear from Bart Scott. Now it's time for another edition of our Victorinox Swiss Army Player of the Game segment with Bart Scott. Bart, Jets host the Dolphins in Week 12, the first time they'll see Tua Tungavailoa as a starting quarterback. What's your matchup to watch? Um, Tua Tungavailoa, I'll tell you what I'm most excited to see. Like, it's a lot of matchups that you can go with, but I'm really intrigued and interested to see how Bryce Hall continues to develop. Listen, I love the way that he competes. I love that he set the edge forcefully in the run game. I like that he's you know, willing to go out there and not just bail out of there. A couple of times he bailed too, or too early on some blitzes. But for the most part, he was right there. And you know, he went against a, a, a tough wide receiving core. I want to see if he can maybe try and slow down Devontae Parker and see what that's like. Now that he, you know, uh, they have a different receiver, you think about Keenan Allen, you think about Williams and what they bring. Now he's going to go with a taller 6'5 receiver that has a huge catch radius and that can play the, the game vertically. And let's see if he can compete. Let's see what he's got. Do you want the Jets playing more zone or more man against these big receivers, Bart? Well, you have to mix it up because if you just uh, play zone and you get predictable, they'll just start sitting in those zones. I think one of the, you know, the biggest mistakes of that game was the fact that they played red two in the middle of the field. You know, that was a defense that's usually uh, for the red zone. We call it red two, but I would say for people that don't know what I'm talking about because I may be speaking Chinese because everybody calls it something different. It's when you have Hewitt closed in the middle of the field and he turns to a former cover three, but they recognized it and were able to get a receiver up the seam and, and, and for a huge touchdown play. And, you know, that's something that you, you, you don't really want to see because when you become predictable like that, people are going to have plans for things that you do. They, when you're going against Greg Williams' defense, you're going to have a, a, cover, a red two beater, and you're going to definitely have a cover zero beater because you know it's coming. So I, I think if we're going to do that and we're going to play that, you know, because every team and every coordinator is different, if I'm going to play that, I need Hewitt to make sure that he stays at linebacker depth because when he gets that seven yards deep, he sends a text message to the entire team, the entire stadium, that that's the coverage that they're in. I'm going to the other side of the ball and going on the outside. I'll take Brashad Perryman and Denzel Mims against those very impressive Dolphins cornerbacks. Remember the last time the Jets saw the Dolphins, they were shut out down in South Florida. So hoping for a different result this weekend. You see Denzel Mims, three catches, 71 yards. He drew a pair of penalties against the Chargers. Uh, Brashad Perryman has been in the end zone three times the last two games. But, Bart, these Dolphins cornerbacks, this tandem, Byron Jones, Xavier Howard. Howard now has six interceptions tied for the NFL lead. We know they like to play a lot of man coverage on the outside, and the Dolphins will bring a lot of blitzes at whoever is playing quarterback for the Jets. Where would you rank these Dolphins corners? I mean, I, th- I think they're right up there. I mean, I think the, the best you know, trio or you know, pair of corners resides in Baltimore and Humphreys and Marcus Peters. But you can say Xavier and Byron Jones are right there, you know, 1A and 1B. 
Um, you know, but, you know, understanding that that's what they're going to get, I think the Jets would be better prepared for that because whenever you have guys that are able to get their hands on you, have tremendous ball skills, all you have to do is do what most teams do to the Ravens and to other, you know, cover one man-to-man covers. You run a lot of crossing routes, rubbing routes, make them fight through traffic and make them have to communicate with each other by making cut splits and maybe putting Mims and putting Perriman on the same exact side and having a backside that, that consists of, um, Herndon and, and, and maybe Crowder as well. So bunch routes, a lot of, lot of uh, crossing routes where you can mess up the traffic. Even maybe consider putting the receiver in the backfield because what happens is, and I remember like yesterday when they used to do that, uh, Bill Belichick used to do that when we, we had Revis. They brought, he brought Revis into the box in a world that he has nothing, no mm-hmm. idea about by putting Wes Walker in the backfield and running his routes from the backfield, just like running out the slot. So maybe you bring Crowder and you bring Crowder into the backfield, which brings a DB there and force them to communicate a lot of blown coverages that way. So, Ethan, where are you going? Because I like what Bart just said. Chris Hernan had a couple catches. He got in the end zone. So that was an encouraging sign for the New York Jets. And Jameson Crowder, Adam Gase said he probably should have had 15 catches in the first <laughs> half against the Chargers. You know, I, I think – this is a common phrase in the NFL that just that the NFL is a copycat league. And when you look at what the Broncos did against the Dolphins, looked at the amount of times that Tua Tungavailoa was sacked. My matchup to watch is the Jets defensive line against the Dolphins offensive line. That Dolphins O-line has a couple rookies up front like Solomon Kinley and Robert Hunt. Austin Jackson was a first-round pick earlier this past April. And if the Jets are able to get to Tua, maybe that'll rattle him a little bit. And, Bart, I'm going to ask you, for a quarterback – to be, one, a rookie, and two, receive pressure the way that the Jets give it, which is typically up the middle, the strength of that defensive line. How much can that disrupt a young quarterback's rhythm on the road his first time starting against the Jets? Well, I think it's, you know, when you say on the road, you got to, you know, say that with an asterisk because you don't have (laughs) the things that you have to deal with traditionally with, with no fans in the stands. Now, I know down in Miami, it's a little different. You know, silent counsel, just being able to have to communicate and have nonverbal communication was an advantage. The Jets won't have that advantage. So now you just have to play with the rookie's eyes and, and make them see things that actually don't exist. And you want to get to them. Anytime you can get to anybody six times, you start putting them on the ground. You know, Tua's not a big guy. You start leaning on him. Now it's starting to become a profile on him. It's starting to be a book. His tendencies, the personnel groups in which they operate with, the league is starting to catch up. And, you know, Denver was just the first team to kind of put a, put a blueprint out there on how to make the, his day and his life difficult. And understanding what you're going to get, you've seen this defense before, gives you advantage to maybe make some adjustments, but also seeing how you can maybe take advantage of this offensive line that is young and may struggle having to communicate. But on the back end, you're going to need these corners to, to, to lock up. And you, to do that, you have to put them on the island. And are you willing to do that? That's, that's, that's the issue. So you want to try and, and make sure that you do safe you know, pressures, not going all out, not cover zeros, but you know where you can overload a side and be able to get somebody home free without selling the farm. It uh, is imperative this week that the New York Jets get off to a good start. There's no doubt about that. And it would be interesting if you get – the rookie quarterback in a position where, hey, maybe the Dolphins are trailing in the third quarter and he's looking over his shoulder at Ryan Fitzpatrick. I think it'll be very interesting to see what happens, especially when you consider that Fitzpatrick came in relief this past game for Tua. And before we wrap up here, Bart, on a lighter note, just what's your favorite part of Thanksgiving, specifically perhaps your favorite dish? Well, for me, it's it's a a toss-up for me. 
Uh, my wife makes some things um, that I really enjoy, and I kind of only indulge in them once, once a year. Uh, she makes a sage dressing. I don't know. It depends on where you're from. Some people say dressing. Some people say stuffing. We call it dressing. You know, I like it when she puts the sage sausage in there, so it's like you're eating bread, but you also get a nice chew of some nice sage, savory sausage inside of that thing as well. But also she has the um, macaroni and cheese with probably 75,000 different cheeses, um, evaporated <laughs> milk, egg. And when you look at it, it may only be this big, but it weighs probably about 75 pounds. And, That's how and, I like it. And the last word on that, that uh, stuffing, that dressing sounds fantastic. Tell us what you feel about sweet potato pro, uh, sweet potato pie. Because <laughs> Ethan over here does not like sweet potato yeah, pie. Yeah, I'm not a big fan. He, he must have had patty pies because if you get a nice, good sweet potato pie, it's like it's like a slice of heaven. You put a little whipped cream on it, maybe yes. get it, get it, get get some nice cocoa, some hot chocolate. You got to do it right, man. You got to make sure that it has the nutmeg in it, cinnamon blend, maybe a little brown sugar, and make sure you take all the strings out. And right, listen, well, you know saying? It's not that he doesn't like pump, <laughs> that he doesn't like sweet potato pie. It's just he hasn't had a good piece of sweet potato pie. Yeah, okay, that's his I, fault. I agree that's with that. That's his fault. Consider the source. Where the, yeah, hell that's right. his pie? Where the hell are you buying your pie at? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I'm warming up to it now. You know, I'm a big fan of everything Bart said that didn't necessarily involve the pie itself. Like, I'm a big fan of whipped cream, cinnamon. I got to get I nutmeg, get a nutmeg, sweet man. Pie. Nutmeg is the secret ingredient. And that is how we wrap up this edition of the Victorinox Swiss Army Player of the Game segment and another edition of the official Jets podcast powered by AWS. Happy Thanksgiving and make sure to put nutmeg in your sweet potato pie.